Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. We're in the series Builders, and the title of today's message is On Guard. And um, some of you this morning just need to let me preach this word over your life. It comes from a place of love, and uh, I can see already that we're facing attacks uh, from the devil. And I'm not just using him as a scapegoat. You know, we don't blame the devil for a lot around here. You'll notice that. You know, I don't stand up here often and say, oh, the devil, blah, blah, blah. We, we, we barely acknowledge that guy. Um, but Scripture tells us not to be unaware of his schemes. And so, 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 there, so there's that part of it. Uh, but I see right now that the devil is already beginning to try and get in there, work on breaking up unity. Um, I, I've been expressing to Amy since we were taking some time off this summer, some of our closest friends and leaders, I feel, I feel a sense of separation and, uh, and distance, and it's not because anybody's done anything wrong. It's, it's quite literally because we haven't been spending time together. Church, relationship is time over time. It'll never be anything other than that. Relation, say it with me. Relationship is time over time. You cannot build a relationship any other way. And so when we are deprived of that for whatever reason, it's natural that distance uh, grows between. And so what, what I want to share maybe... This is free and this is first this morning is you have to fight for it you have to fight for unity unity doesn't just happen there is always someone or something that tries to come between people that tries to come between our heavenly father and us that that tries to dupe us to changing in or exchanging the blessing or the anointing as we're going to talk about this morning that god has given us for something that is far less valuable it's like it's like being paid in fool's gold you thought it was something of worth but it turns out it was nothing and many people do this. So um, let, let me preach this to you this morning. And uh, I'm gonna, let's pray first because I guess we should, we should trust God with this first. So Father, um, God, I just pray this morning that we would have receptive hearts to what your Holy Spirit is saying to us. And that, Lord, that people wouldn't necessarily hear me speaking, but, Lord, they would hear you speaking clearly. And, uh, <clears throat> Father, I just, I, just, yeah, I just pray that you do something miraculous this morning in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and so I want to preach this this morning and make some declarations in faith over, our, over this house, over this part of the body of Christ, and, uh, and we make that preach and we make the declaration in faith for what needs to happen in our church family so that we can move forward into the things that God has promised and called us to. That, 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 that is where we're going. We have a vision, and we are going to walk that vision out, and that vision is going to grow beyond what we can see today, and it's going to grow in. There's a reason this is called Generations Church. It's not because it's going to end with me. This church is going to go on for generations, and uh, you say lots of churches do. I'll say no, lots of churches don't. Very few churches last longer than, say, five years. Lots of them only three and four years, uh, and they need a total overhaul, revamp, relaunch. So anyone who builds in the kingdom of God will come under fire from the enemy. If you know this, just throw your hand up real quick. Anything you do for God, you're going to experience the resistance of the enemy. I hope you know that because otherwise you're going to be really shocked some days when you wake up in the morning. Uh, So whether it's in your own life, you're contending for something, building something in your own life, whether it's in your family, uh, your business, or whether we're doing a building project as a church, resistance is going to come. And you might have noticed in your life that when you choose specifically to follow Jesus, while it is wonderful, there are always tests and challenges that come with that. Uh, Jesus did not save us to excuse us from difficulty or trouble. 
There was a while when that was like, that was the doctrine that was preached all the time. It's never been true. Uh, Jesus fully expected us as his followers to encounter trouble and problems and difficulties and heartbreak and horrible circumstances. He, he is not unaware of any of those things. And uh, sometimes we have a problem with God. And I would just remind you that when Job complained to God about what was happening in his life, God said to him, where were you when I created like at the start, I mean, it, it was a rhetorical question that God asked a human who was unhappy with how God was dealing things out. And so when we say in this church, we're going to trust God no matter what, the reason we say that is because we expect hard things to happen. Really hard things. We expect it. I know it. I know it to be true in my life. I know it to be true in your life. I hope you can know it too so you're not so shocked all the time when uh, the enemy tries to, to come against you. So um, there's always this reality that some things are going to go wrong, really wrong. Challenges, resistance seem to pop up out of nowhere. Old habits will flare up. Old conflicts will reappear. Um, you know, something from your past that you hope would stay buried is going to resurface. Those things all happen because the enemy comes. He's a, he is a spirit of condemnation. That is the enemy. It's what he does best, which is not the same as the Holy Spirit who brings conviction to our lives. Um, but these are things that happen. For a long time, Amy and I, we learned to joke about the bad things that happened in a really sadistic sort of way. Like, not, not that we should joke about it, but we had to. Because what else do you do but start laughing and say, I'm going to choose to have the joy of the Lord in my life. And we began to see over the years of ministry that bad things would often happen in threes. And I, I'm not saying that's the doctrine. I'm not, I'm not trying to establish um, something for your life. We noticed that it seemed to come in threes. Windshield, brand spanking new, would get smashed out of a vehicle by a bunch of rocks. Uh, maybe an appliance in the house would break, and it was like one day out of warranty. And you know they ain't going to help you after that anyways, right? And, uh, and we would often find ourselves being like, okay, phew, only one more thing to go. And now I know some of you are real faith people, and you're like, you should just rebuke the devil. Well, we did. And what we found time and time again was that God, listen, God is not intimidated by what the devil does to you or to me. He's not. He's not intimidated. And we, we, begin, to, we begin to struggle with some things in life because we place all of our focus on temporal things. And we, we get worn out because of that. We get bogged down because of that. That's why scripture reminds us, and I should have probably put this in my notes, but scripture reminds us we need to set our, our mind or understanding on the upward call of Christ. We need to set our eyes at the end of the race, not at the mile that's in front of us. We need to set our, our hope and our, even our emotion on what is to come in heaven. Guys, you're 85, 90, 100 years on this earth. Once you're in eternity, are going to be a flash in the pan, and you're going to say that pain that seemed to be 90 years long and in the making, it doesn't even compare with the glory of eternity. And until we have that heavenly perspective, we are going to encounter trials and persecution and trouble, and we're going to have a difficult time saying it's well with my soul. So we have to lean in and trust God no matter what. And so Amy and I learned to do that. And I'm so thankful for having Tyson in our life because every time bad things would pile up or difficult circumstances would hit us, you know, somebody in the church would act up and it would get real relationally bad. And Tyson would just quietly come alongside and say, it's a good thing because you know we're going the right direction. 
We know that when Satan comes to buffet us, to attack us, we know. You know, the, the devil doesn't launch his artillery at people he doesn't need to. He doesn't need to waste his time on someone who is complicit to apathy. Where he spends his time are on those who are moving forward into the things, into the vision, the dream that God has for their life. And I hope that you hear something in that this morning that is incredibly encouraging rather than discouraging. Learn to laugh with us. Bad things might happen in threes, maybe fours for you. I don't know. Maybe it's because you're being dumb and you're doing stupid things over and over again. That's a possibility. Just say it. But maybe you're as righteous as Job and bad things still happen to you. The promise of the Lord will always be to restore what the locusts have eaten, to restore what the enemy took away. Back in Pentecostal church days, we used to sing this song. Well, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. Some of you know that song. And then we'd all that. he's under my feet. He's, it was a white people Pentecostal thing. <laughs> um, now, I just have to tell you, that's not the doctrine of my life because I can't be bothered to keep track of what Satan is always doing around me. I can't be bothered. Like Jesus, I would strive in my life to be about my father's business. To be doing what I see him doing, to say what I hear him saying. And so I invite you to, if I can do that at all, please follow me as I follow Christ. And whatever part that I can do that in, do the same. So um, here is one that you might not think about all the time. The enemy is not worried about people who aren't building his kingdom. In fact, this is the truth now. Listen. Hold on to something, in fact. Ange, grab the chair in front of you. Hold on. Satan will bless you. That can't be true, Pastor Travis. It's absolutely true. Satan wants to bless your socks off. He He wants to bless you with every blessing that he can bless you with. If it'll keep you from what God has called you to. He will, and he does. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in other people's lives. And so, so listen, you, you need to be careful that you don't confuse the blessing of the enemy with the blessing of God. And they can kind of look the same, I suppose, from some points of view. But, but the enemy does bless. And here's what the enemy blesses. The enemy will bless. This is a little self-check if you want. The enemy will bless your pride. The enemy will bless your money. Actually, I should say the enemy will bless your greed. He will. Uh, He'll bless your lies. You you ever seen that happen? You lied and you got away with it and you're like, oh, oh, thank you, Lord. Careful what you say because you're probably praying to the wrong Lord. God's promise is that our sins will always find us out. Awkward. See, but the enemy wants to bless your lie. He wants to bless your shame because when he blesses your shame, you're like, oh, this is a good thing. I'm going to have more to cover up with. By the way, that's a game he's been playing since the Garden of Eden, if you read your Bible. So he'll bless your bad habits. He'll bless anything. He'll bless anything that keeps you from the call of God, from walking that call in your life. And he'll bless anything that will bring disunity to the church. He'll bless anything that sows discord into your marriage or into your family. He'll bless anything that will harm the transfer of Jesus' victory in your life to your kids, that generational transfer. Children are a heritage from the Lord. He wants to interrupt that. He wants to to destroy that. He wants to make that a a non-reality for you. 
That's what the enemy wants. And uh, some of you might sit there in your minds and think, oh, Trav, that's just a bunch of emotional hypeism. New word I made up. Whole new term, emotional hypeism. Um, and I just say to you, pardon me, <laughs> did you not read in your Bible that Jesus faced off with Satan and Satan tried to bless him three times? Come on. Matthew 4, 1 to 11, read it this week for yourself. Here's how it went down, though, the uh, Travis Hansen modern version of the Bible. It's a paraphrase. Hey, yeah, Jesus, you look really hungry. You've been fasting for 40 days. You have the power. What you should do here is turn that stone into bread. Jesus responds, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The next thing the devil tried to bless him with is he took him to the peak of the temple. Anybody remember what he said there? He said, hey, Jesus, if the Heavenly Father really loves you, you should be able to throw yourself off of the top of this building, and his angels will save you, because Scripture says they will. Do you realize that I can't think, I don't think, I, I, I haven't researched this, so forgive me if I, if I state something in error here, but as far as I know, this is the first time in Scripture anywhere where I've ever noticed that Satan was inviting someone to suicide. Just think about it for a second. He takes him to the top of the tallest building around, says, jump off. Let's see if the Father is really your Father, if he'll save you. Jesus absolutely understands what it's like to walk through suicide. He the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, he identifies with all of our weakness. He identifies with everything that we could go through. He really does identify with it. And Jesus responds, you will not put God to the test. And then the last thing he does, he takes him to a mountain. And he shows him the whole earth. He, hey, Jesus, listen, man. <clears throat> I know that we haven't always seen things eye to eye. And so if you just do me this one look, I'm not asking you to like get prostrate before me on your face, but just a little kung fu bow, like just this much. Just a little bow to me, and I'm going to give you the whole earth. What was Satan doing? Satan was saying, Jesus, the blessing, the anointing that belongs to you, I'm going to give you something else. Guys, Jesus, in his temptation, in his trial after 40 days of fasting, he walked through the same attempt at ex of exchange that Satan wants to have with you and I. Hey, friend. Did God really say, I'm going to say something better. I'm going to say something easier for you to hear. I'm going to say something nicer to you. And so many times we fall for it. And what we don't realize is we're trading our birthright in Christ for slavery in the kingdom of darkness. It's very sneaky. And I know that sometimes we're going we're gonna to see that that happens where we've made that mistake. We're like, actually, I don't feel like I'm in a whole lot of bondage. Yeah, that's because you're forgetting that what Satan is doing is he's blessing the things that are leading you away from God. That's why. Sometimes when you sin, you feel less guilty for a moment. That always does wear off, doesn't it? Listen, he wants, to, he, he wants to bless what will take you away from the Lord. 
And so um, I just want you to notice this this morning, that if the devil thinks he can swindle Jesus out of his anointing and his call, what makes you think the devil wouldn't come after you that way? He will. I mean, he, he, actually, he actually had the, the gall to think he could maybe trip Jesus up. Who are you? Like, seriously, who are you? Of course he's coming after you. And this is why we have to be on our guard. This is why we have to stand firm. And so this morning, to my church family, to the people that I love, to the people that we are investing our life in, in a very real way, I implore you, I beseech you, and I plead with you, be on guard. You cannot ever let your guard down when it comes to the trickery of Satan. Never. Never, never, never. You've got to stand in the peace and love of Jesus at all times, ready to resist every attempt he makes to take you off course and trade his anointing in your life for God's anointing. He wants to trade, let me say it again, his anointing, on your, uh, he wants to put his anointing on your life so that you walk out from under the anointing of God on your life. That is what play is every single time. First Peter 5, 8 to 10, be of sober spirit. Someone say sober spirit. Be on the alert. Someone say alert. So we need to be sober and alert. I chose this translation specifically this morning because it said be of sober spirit because from time to time I see people doing a whole lot of drinking or mind-altering drug kind of things. And, and you know what? <laughs> you, you, think it's, you, you think there's room for wiggling in the sobriety of your physical body, the physical, your mind. Let me assure you there's not a whole lot of room on this in Scripture. Because we are called to a very real fight, a very real battle, and it is important that we are not just sober physically, but that we are sober spiritually at all times. And you cannot be sober in your spirit if you're drunk in your mind. You cannot be sober in your spirit if you are high in your mind. Sorry, doesn't work that way. We need to be sober and alert for our adversary. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, but resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, now listen to this, because this is maybe the best part. The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect you. Remember, we're in a process of perfection. He'll confirm you, he'll strengthen you, and he will establish you. See, that's what's at risk here. The perfection, the confirmation, the strengthening, and the establishment of God making you the person he's called you to be is what is on the line. And this is why we have to be on our guard. First and foremost, be on your guard. Understand that the things you're feeling today are because when they come from the enemy, they are intended to take you off course. The, the, the enemy wants distance in your marriage. The enemy wants distance in, in, in church teams. The enemy wants distance in your life so that you don't feel like you need to come Sunday mornings. He wants that distance because that distance allows him to work. This is why the, the body of Christ is, is urged over and over again in many times, places, and ways throughout the whole New Testament to get together, get together. You always see them getting together. Always getting together. Why? Why? Because there's safety in numbers. 
Well, I don't know if that's biblical. We are sheep. People, we're sheep. They're the herdiest animal of all the herd animals. They are the dumbest of all the herd animals, I'm sorry to say. But you know where sheep do real well? It's in a flock. Under the care of a shepherd. And they do great things. They manage ecosystems. They actually make the world... I can't believe I'm saying this. Because in the physical, I hate sheep. Oh, my... I hate sheep. God help me. Oh, the flashbacks are happening right now. Sheep. Bah. They're everywhere. See, for me, counting sheep to go to sleep is a nightmare. <laughs> I, think, I, I think I have a vague remember, remembrance of my parents saying that to me. and Do not thank them for that. Anyways. Um, so, <laughs> guys, we're called to be together. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some people. We got to stick together. We're better together. The church is better together. And this church is going to stay small while we get big, just so you know. We're going to fight for that. And it's going to frustrate some of you, and it's actually going to hurt some of your feelings. But we are going to contend to be a church that stays connected even though we grow. We will grow deeper than we will go wider. That will always be our intent. Always what we strive for. To go deeper than wider. Because wide will come when depth is there. That's how it works. If the ocean was just simply wide, what would it be like? It wouldn't be much of an ocean, would it? See, the secret to the ocean being what it is is actually its depth. As wide as it is, its depth is unfathomable. 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 But that's, that is the secret of its power. And by the way, the voice of God is in the depths of that water. It's amazing. Deep calls to deep. Okay, I got to go. I mean, not leave, but I got to. Two more points. Worship team, you can come back. Never mind, I'll see you in a few minutes. Um, couple, more, couple more minutes, couple more minutes. Um, The benefit of staying in the call, not trading your anointing, not trading your call, is that God will perfect and establish you. He'll confirm you and he'll strengthen you. Those are the things of value. Those are unshakable things for an unshakable kingdom in a world that is being shaken violently. A whole other message there. Okay, second thing. So first, be on guard. The second thing is seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. A prevailing problem I see in the North American church, especially our reality, is that we seem to think th things like this, that seeking the lost is the most important thing. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you believe that, but a lot of us have believed that on and off or all the time. It is the job of the church to seek the lost because we do what Jesus came. And the Bible says Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. We all understand that. But that is not what God has asked you to do. God has not asked you to seek first the lost. He's asked you to seek first his kingdom. And then his righteousness. 
and then all the other things can be added to you. You see, we, think, we seem to be living in a world where, where like, well, we'll just, we'll be a seeker church. We're going to seek the lost because that's, guys, that's virtue signaling in a Christian sense. What does your church do? Oh, we seek the lost. We all do that. We all have eyes in our heads and we all have a relationship with people. We all work. We all keep one foot in the secular world, I hope, so that we're connected to reality and not, you know, so much heavenly focus that we're of no earthly good. Right? We, we, we've got our feet in the world. We've got our feet on the ground. And it's not hard to find the lost. They're everywhere. I can't go five steps without bumping into a lost person. They are everywhere. So seeking them is not what it's about. But seeking the kingdom is. Seeking the kingdom of heaven. Seeking the kingdom of God. And when Jesus addressed them on this matter, you know, he brought it up. Some of you say, here's the kingdom. There's the kingdom. Well, where's the kingdom? Where did it go? And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is right here. It's already among you. And don't think for a second, church, that that hasn't changed. The kingdom of God is right here. It's among us. And when we seek that kingdom first, then everything else is added. See, the lost can't come home to a place if we're not seeking the kingdom. There will be no home. There will be no place of rest. If we don't seek the kingdom first, you can make all the money in the world and it will be your undoing. If you don't seek the kingdom first, you can marry the sexiest, hottest, most Jesus-loving woman and your spiritual walk will only get weaker. It will never get stronger. Because you, each one of us, you and I individually, personally, let's talk for a minute about what a personal relationship with Jesus looks like. Personally, are you seeking the kingdom of God first? Above everything else in life, are you seeking his kingdom and his righteousness? Because when we get that in the right order, when we get that in the right place, work begins to come like this. Financial problems begin to disappear. We start to get into a rhythm of grace. Why? Because we're seeking first his kingdom. Uh, I don't know how that's gotten away from the church, honestly. I don't know. We seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Well, yeah, Pastor Trav, but what about the context? You just pulled one little verse out there and you're always talking about context. Okay, let me give you some context. <laughs> the context of that verse is written in the sixth chapter of Matthew. Let's just look really quickly at a few facts. Who wrote the book of Matthew? A man named Matthew. You want to know what Matthew was before he followed Jesus? He was a tax collector and extortionist. He was hated by his own people because he extorted tax money from them for the Romans, and they were known to be the most corrupt people in the society of their day. Well, now I'm uncomfortable because you're really, you're really making this about, like, money. Oh, yeah. It is. So what else? It's written by a tax collector, a money man, an extortionist. And then, then really the rest of chapter 6. Here's what chapter 6 deals with, by the way, in the book of Matthew. It deals with money, provision, the anxiety of not having enough, generosity and giving, prayer, and how we ought to handle all. 
Seek first the kingdom of God, not your wallet, and his righteousness, and then these things will all be added to you. His kingdom first before your own, before your bank, before your company. His kingdom first before the poor and the lost. This is why virtue signaling Christianity is failed Christianity. That is not the kingdom of God. Guys, we are, we are trying to bring some part of heavenly culture down to earth because earthly culture is broken in every culture. It's damaged. It's, it's damaged irreparably. And the only thing that will fix humanity is when we bring the culture of heaven to earth and we see and we show and we live out the fact that the kingdom of heaven is already among us, that the life of Jesus is not just glowing but burning bright in the hearts of those who follow him. They are spirit-filled people who prophesy in truth. They are spirit-filled people who aren't afraid to speak in tongues. They are spirit-filled people who are not afraid to let signs and wonders follow those who believe. Here's the problem with why we don't have signs and wonders in the church. Too many pastors are afraid to walk up to a brother in the church service who has an illness and just start praying publicly. Well, yeah, we're going to watch Pastor Trout to see how fast Brother Stephen gets healed. Watch. I don't know what's going to happen. All I know is when the Holy Spirit says, go lay your hands on that man and pray for him, you better get your ass over there and pray for that man. Oops. I was talking about Balaam's donkey, for the record. <laughs> not, I was not talking about, I, like, saddle him, get on. <laughs> don't, don't tell anybody in MFI. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not trying to come across as preachy or authoritarian or anything like that. Guys, this, this is just, like, I, I've, had, I've had time to step back and think and pray. And this is what the Holy Spirit brings. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek his righteousness so that what comes out of us is kingdom and righteous. Because the context of what Jesus is talking about there is all up in your business about life and worry and stress and strife and fear and wishing you could win the lottery because then you could solve all the problems. Man, and I, don't get me wrong, when the lotto hits $70 million with $61 million prizes, I'm like, woman, go get us a $6 ticket. <laughs> but it's not because I think that it will solve all our problems. It's like, well, we could use $70 million in our church. We could. Here's how $70 million is probably going to come to our church. When the kings in this house go to war and build businesses that build the kingdom of God. When, when we seek the first, the kingdom of God, so then God's like, boop, I'm going to bless your business. I'm going to bless and I'm going to take it away. What? He, he did to Job. I can't believe God took my blessing. He took away all that profit I made. Yeah, he might. Who's faithful? God is faithful. And don't you ever forget this. If God removes something from your life, he can just as easily put it back tenfold. And he does. All the time. 
Seek first the kingdom. Uh, finally, the third thing in the worship team, you should come back now. I'm, gonna be, I'm done. Well, I'm done in a few minutes. Third thing, and I do mean this in a rather cheeky way, but kind of sort of also condescending and like awkwardly. Watch your mouth. Mm. Yeah, he did. He went there today. Watch your mouth. Not because I'm going to come over there and slap you in the face. Although, there's benefit to that sort of thing. There's benefit to that sort of Christianity from time to time. Watch your mouth. Not because I want to slap you. But because what you say has power. More than you understand. See, the enemy, I think this is the one, the enemy, be on guard. Because <laughs> the enemy blesses what your mouth gets away with more than anything else. Don't worry, nobody heard that. It's okay. You can talk to me about it. You know, the Bible actually deals with this pretty honestly, I think. I don't know if you're aware, but Scripture actually teaches us that the power of life and death are in the tongue. But there's much, much more to it than just that. Just for fun, I included a couple verses around that in Proverbs 18. And so Proverbs 18, 19 says, A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a citadel. Okay, what, what does that matter to the context of death and life are in the power of the tongue. Here, here's what. Why is your brother usually offended? 99 times out of 100 is because somebody said something. True? It's true, isn't it? I mean, yeah, once in a while we do things that offend people, but by and large, we say things that offend people. We blew up. And words can't be taken back, back very easily. Um, okay, then it goes to verse 20. Listen to this. With the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied. And if that's not enough here, it says it kind of the same way in a different way. He will be satisfied with the product of his lips. What is the fruit of a man's mouth? It's your words. There's, there's no misunderstanding this. It's your words. And, <laughs> and what will satisfy it's the, the product of your lips. What you say has more power than you realize. And I'm not talking about some wonky doctrine like name it and claim it. I'm not, I, I do, please do not run around and start declaring things to people in this church. I just declare, Wade, that blah, 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 blah. Listen, if you're going to prophesy, have the cojones to prophesy. Don't run around making willy-nilly weird declarations. Hoping that because you said it, it will come to pass. This is why Jesus didn't run around doing whatever he wanted. What did he say? I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear him saying. Even Jesus restrained himself to a very tight set of rules for how he would address people. So don't run around being weird. Watch your mouth. Right? Watch it. Otherwise, I'll have Carlisle come over there and slap the taste right out of it. Um, here's verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. 
and those who love it will eat its fruit. What does that mean? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love the power of the tongue will eat its fruit. These are the wise words and teachings of the wisest man, not incarnate God man, but the wisest man, wisest man in the flesh that supposedly ever lived. If you love the power of words, you will eat the fruit of that power. And I, I don't really think it's in a very positive context here, just so we're clear. And then, and then here, here's one more. This just kind of this kind of tickled my fancy a little bit for all you single ladies, all you single ladies, <laughs> and single men's, gentlemen's. Um, <laughs> and he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Young young people. Middle-aged people who still aren't married. Older people who are single for whatever reason right now. What you say matters more to your future relationships than you have ever considered before. It's, it's the truth. It matters. What you say is, is, is allowing people to form opinions and make discernments about you. And they'll do that in good ways and bad ways. But listen, we, we have to be on our guard. We have to be so careful what we say. And trust me, I have to preach to myself on this issue more than any of you, I am sure. Because I have to live under constant restraint so I don't say stupid things. Constantly. And my team around me, they know this because they are often the ones who have to come alongside and kind of be like, yeah. I don't like hearing you say that. That's scary. Don't say it that way. You shouldn't be, you know, th this is a, uh, trust me, this is a constant thing of correction in my life. What you say matters. What what you let yourself say matters. And here's one more for you to consider that just shows the power of words and why you need to be on your guard. Proverbs 10.20 says, Furthermore, in your bedchamber do not curse a king, and in your sleeping rooms do not curse a rich man, for a bird of the heavens will carry the sound, and a winged creature will make the matter known. Okay, what is that verse talking about? That's weird, right? Because it's not, it's not like a parrot flies up to your window of your bedroom and hears you say, you know, man, I'm so frustrated with Wade Blundell, and then the parrot flies over, crack, Wade Blundell, Pastor Travis says. Right, that's not, that's not what it's talking about. Listen, uh, a lot of theologians, the, the, theologians, theologians, theologists, we, many of us would have this understanding that when we see many times in Scripture it refers to the birds of the air or the winged creature, we're talking about something in the spiritual realm. Because a little Tweety Bird is not carrying your message. But who will carry that message? Well, the enemy will. The enemy will. And this is what the Lord showed me about this. Because um, I was thinking on this months ago. And, and, and it occurred to me as I was talking to the Lord about this. Where do you think Satan gets his fiery darts from? You know, you ought to take up the shield of faith with which you will quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. That those fiery darts that he launches into your life, when they hit you and they burn you, it often feels like condemnation. It's stinging words from people. It's stinging situations that wound your heart in places that no one can see because it's a spiritual thing that's happening to you. Let me tell you something. This is what the Lord showed me. Those fiery darts are coming because the enemy is present all around us. And when we give voice to certain things in the wrong company, in the wrong heart, in the wrong spirit, the enemy takes that as fodder to use against us. 
The enemy can always come with a little bit of truth in his condemnation, can't he? And we can look at it and say, yeah, you know, Brad Karpiak, he, he's kind of been avoiding me lately. And, and, and I, I'm telling you, I've become aware of this, that there are things being said about me or, or, or there's things being said about you. And, and I, can, I can almost just see it now. That the enemy takes those things that we say and he drives them into the heart of people around us because they're actually rooted in something that is partly true. And he loves to do that. Oh, does he love to do that. So you got to be careful what you say. you gotta, you got to be on guard for this because, because whatever you say, there's power in it. When you speak against people, it will be for health and healing or it will be for hurt and harm. But make no mistake, there are power in those words. Not always is it the case that words that harm you are your enemy. Because the Lord reproves, he disciplines those he loves. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. What does that mean, for the record? That means when I go to my brother and my friend Tyson and I say, Tyson, I see something in your life that is crap. And you're gonna, you, we, can't, we can't go on this way. Those are the wounds of a friend. When someone brings correction to my life, yes, they are wounding me. There is a certain level of harm that comes to the outer layers of who I am, but it's doing a healing thing on the inside. And we need to be on guard so that we have the sobriety to understand the difference between the two. Because otherwise we're all immature running around, oh, they hurt my feelings, I'm out of here. They might have hurt your feelings, but they were healing your mind. We've got to sit through the hard things because God's going to dig a deeper well in us. He's going to enlarge us. He's going to increase our capacity. He's going to, come on. It's the work he's doing. So remember this. The enemy is always after your anointing. He's always after that call of God in your life. He wants to take it and trade for what he offers. So learn this. Stay in the shadow of the Almighty. Stay under his wing. Stay under the mighty hand of God so that in due time he can lift you up. Stay under that place. Stay under that protection. Keep your heart and your mind disciplined so that when the enemy comes to say, hey, just give me a little kung fu fighting bow, just a little bit of worship is all I need, you can know your birthright that was purchased for you at the cross and stand firm in your faith, stand firm in the sonship God has granted us through Jesus. Because that's the thing that's of so much value in us, who we are because of Jesus who we are called to be because of Jesus, who we are made to be because of Jesus, what we are gifted with because of Jesus. Those are the things that matter. Those are the things that will allow us to seek the kingdom. Those are the things that will allow us to change the world. And that is why the enemy so desperately wants to bring you off course from that. Critics are going to show up. Critics are going to show up when we build anything in life. just want you to remember this. Your anointing does not come from your critics. Your gifting does not come from your critics. Your peace does not come from your critics. 
None of that comes from your critics. Who, who does your peace, your joy, your anointing comes from? It comes from the one who called you. It comes from the one who made you. It, it comes from the one who sustains you. It comes from the one who is sanctifying you. It comes from the one who has made you holy. And it comes from the one who is perfecting you and establishing you and strengthening you. So don't you trade it for what the voice of a critic says. Because what God has called you to build is of such intricate and important value to the kingdom, I don't think we can understand it until we're on the other side of heaven. What one family can do to influence a thousand families is something that is going to be awfully hard to track down. What one business can do to change the mind of a, of a hundred other business people, how, how do we... All I know is that we got to be on guard. we got to stay on guard. Anointing doesn't come from them, so stop worrying. Stop being sidetracked by a critic, by a condemning voice. The devil does not attack people who aren't attacking his gates. So let's stand. I want to pray for you. morning you're going to want prayer and we would invite you to come. Maybe you just need to come and kneel and do business with God. Maybe maybe you need to come up and get a hug today, whatever. But listen, there, there is something there is something that God does that's based in our response. I mean, God can do anything, but but let, let's just be real here. There is something that takes place miraculously when people bend their will to Jesus. And we say, okay, I'm, I'm going to respond to you Lord, the woman with the issue of blood who reached out and touched his garment. See, that was in a response to the power she saw in Jesus. But Bartimaeus was on the side of the road and he cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. That was his response to the power of God that was passing by. And I would just submit to you this morning, whatever you're struggling with, maybe what you need to do is just reach out and touch the Lord as he's going by. Maybe you just need to respond today. So let's ask the Holy Spirit like we do every week this one question. Holy Spirit, what is it you want me to do with what I've heard today? Just take 10, 12 seconds and ask Him right now. If you're watching online, just ask Him right now. And then if He tells you something, respond to that. Like, like follow through for real. standing here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God through the person of Jesus, there is something in your life that is not aligned and you can feel it right now, I want to tell you it's so easy. You can come and meet Jesus today and your life will be changed. When we bend our will to him, when we come under his lordship, when we turn from sin to follow Jesus, our life changes. We become saved by his work at the cross. We become sons and daughters of the kingdom of heaven all in that one moment. And so if that's you this morning, don't leave this place the way you came. If you have sickness in your body, if you need healing in your life, if you need healing in a relationship, 
Come on, reach out and touch the Lord this morning. Respond to what he's saying. Father, I pray for every person in this room right now, for those watching online. Lord Jesus, would you give us courage today? Would you give us boldness today to respond in a way that is appropriate, that is fitting for what you're saying to us now? And I pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.